Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A Scottish football podcast that isn't obsessed with just two teams, niche nonsense, or surprisingly brilliant. You decide. The Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. The cult Scottish football podcast now adapted into a hit TV show. Search the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast on your chosen podcast player now. Tell you what, that Tiger Woods is a dog's bollocks, isn't he? Mixed race, you see. Part Afro-American, part white man, part Dutch and part Vietnamese. And then four different races have combined to produce the perfect golfer. And still so young. The Afro-American, right, that's his natural grace for his driving, right? The Vietnamese, for when he's in the rough, you got me? All the jungles and that, they have a network of tunnels. The Dutch in him makes him laid back for his temperament. And the white man means he can get on the course in the first place. For one night only, Simon Day and Friends, the brilliant character comic from The Fast Show, Brian Pern, and currently down the line on Radio 4. Saturday, June the 13th. Tickets only £5, and watch from the comfort of your living room. For tickets, go to biletto.co.uk and search Simon Day and Friends now. Another very special episode of the Spurs show. Uh, our long-term listeners will know during the lockdown every week we've been doing very special shows with ex-players. We've been doing polls about your greatest and worst Tottenham moments. And um, we did a show uh, a few weeks ago with John Pratt about the sort of the, the dark season of when uh, we were in the second division. And uh, today we're going to look at a sort of strange period at the club when Christian Gross was manager. And I know if you listen to earlier shows, Gary Mabbitt's been very vocal about Christian. Um, we had a show um, last week uh, talking a bit about him as well. And there's really only one man who's kind of, because probably because he 
was already there at Tottenham and from the same country and had already played with uh, Christian back at Grasshoppers. They were delighted to be joined by a friend of the show, Ramon Vega. How are you, Ramon? How are you guys? Very well. I'm very well. Good. Thank you so much for joining us today back on the Spurs show. Um, going back sort of pre pre-Tottenham, just to give people some kind of context, really. You obviously made your debut professionally in 1990 with Grasshoppers of Zurich, an incredibly successful team in Switzerland. And I believe in the six years you were there, you won the title three times. Absolutely correct, yeah. Exactly, yeah. And uh, that was what, that was, was Christian the manager there with you then? Well, uh, Christian was part of the six years. Uh, and initially we had uh, Otmar Hitzfeld, the German, huh? who yeah. uh, was also successful there after Spain Munich and Borussia Dortmund winning the Champions League. He was the first manager. Uh, and then we had uh, the Dutch Leo Benacker, uh, who also was Real Madrid and Ajax Amsterdam, so some very good managers. Yeah. And then Christian Gross as well, you know. So Christian Gross was part of, I would say for the six year, two and a half uh, years, nearly well, close to three years of a manager, and very successful as well. And with the uh, with the three title wins, which which competitions? Presumably, you were then going to the European Cup competition. How did those fare when you were there? How far did you get? Well, uh, at that time, Switzerland obviously was not. We were talking early nineties, mid nineties. Mm. You know, Switzerland football, well, the Swiss football really started to grow and had some great talent within the squad, even in the national team as well. First time also qualifying 94 for the World Cup in the US, yeah. then also qualifying Euro 96 in England, where I played yeah. uh, as well. You know, some great talents went through. I think the 90s was a fantastic uh, period for the Swiss national team, and also for Swiss football as well. The league was very competitive. Um, Grasshoppers at the time was uh, the lead in that league. We pretty much were... Uh, always kind of uh, winning either the league or the cup. And we were the first also club to qualify for that uh, famous uh, Champions League uh, draw to go into it. What right. they afterwards against Ajax Amsterdam, Real Madrid, and so on. That's the first, first ever club who really qualified for such a Champions League uh, uh, thing. So we were yeah. part of that. And Christian Gross uh, was, uh, was the manager at the time as well. Yeah. It's amazing. You mentioned there, obviously, Euro 96. What, what comes your time in England later but um, talk us about that experience because that must have been amazing especially to play that first game at Wembley uh, a really really good draw Switzerland got that day what was that experience like for you? Well Euro 96 was uh, uh, tremendous uh, memories uh, as a player uh, first time in England as well playing in the old stadium of Wembley the kind of historical stadium you know, and then on top of that, you have the opening game against England, the host. Mm. Uh, it's very exciting. Uh, you know, a week beforehand, uh, I still remember the English uh, team, um, you know, kind of maybe underestimate the Swiss team because they were mm. absolutely getting hammered in Hong Kong mm. <laughs> at that time. Yeah. Uh, but uh, what, can yeah. you, what can you do, you know? We, <laughs> it's part of the English culture, you know, you need to have a pint before you go for it on the pitch, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, no. uh, but in those days, uh, yeah, we were kind of a Swiss conservative way of concentrating and uh, preparation, all preparation. And on the day, 
we had a great game against England. We should actually mm. beat England at time. Uh, 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 we played very well in the tournament. Was, well, I think, for my point, one of the best tournaments in the 90s. To be honest, remind me what what happened. I can't remember what what happened in your games against Holland and Scotland. I can't quite remember what happened. <laughs> I, I, I don't remember either because we didn't do well either. All <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. So uh, we, 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 actually the best game was against uh, England, and that really gives some enormous confidence. Don't forget, uh, we're talking about the football in the nineties. You know, uh, yeah. England was already great squad himself. You know, we, at that time was marking Alan Shearer at the front, Teddy Sharing were afterwards going to be my teammate at Spurs as well. You know, Darren and. and Gascoigne, et cetera, et cetera, you know. And then on the Holland side was, you know, we're talking mm. uh, P- uh, Kluivert, the De Burr brothers, Sito, uh, you name it. The whole Ajax mm. Amsterdam uh, Champions League winners were at that time in that squad, you know. And it, obviously Scotland had also fantastic players, you know. Mm. So the, 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 the group uh, was also pretty much very strong, you know. And for us, Swiss to go through was pretty much... Yeah, zero uh, expectation, you know, uh, mm. to have a draw against England uh, with that confidence. But we were unlucky against Scotland, to be honest with you. That was the kind of uh, the one we lost uh, the potential qualification for the next round. But we, we only went through, the, uh, not even through the group stage. Yeah, I mean, around the same time, around 96, you obviously then moved from Zurich to Cagliari in, in Italy, which was obviously a, a really big move. What was that experience mm-hmm. like for you? Oh, was, I think it's a, listen, uh, back in the 90s, Serie A, without a doubt, was the best league in the world yeah. for lots of reasons, you know. Uh, all the best strikers in the world and the best centre-halves were playing at the Serie A, you know. I remember joining uh, Cagliari at that time, you know. Uh, for me, it was a major honour. Can you imagine from Switzerland, small country where football Hardly not exist, and the biggest league in the world uh, is asking to go to play there, to play against mm-hmm. the, you know, the centre half like Costa Cuta, the Barisis, uh, the Maldinis, you name it, you know, all of that. And in the front, we took yeah. Gabriel Battistuta, uh, Roberto Pacho, Del Piero, uh, <laughs> also Zizane. Uh, Zizou was also that time with Juventus. I think the 90s that was. Without a doubt, the best league uh, in the world with the best players that they were playing. And then I was very honoured to play in that league and play week in, week out, really, against mm. the best strikers in the world. It was not easy because, mm. you know, playing against Gabriel Batistuta uh, in Fiorentina, Florence, when he was playing, it was not an easy target uh, to, to mark, to be honest with you. But uh, mm. I was very honoured and very proud that I played that time. You then obviously moved to Spurs. You were signed in January 1997 when Jerry Francis. Was there? We believe the transfer fee was three point seven five million. How did that move come about? Um, what did you know about Tottenham, um, and and what was Joey Francis like? Um, well, first of all, you know about Spurs beforehand. I was already in 90, the Euro '96, or prior to that, uh, Spurs already uh, inquired uh, about my service at the time. That was prior before the Euro '96. Right. Funny enough, uh, obviously the price at the time I can't, I can't even tell you because that's eight hundred thousand pounds. Right. <laughs> would have bought me there. Right. And just to go to the Euro '96 and playing obviously well increases your value. That makes you a big, yeah. big, big difference, you know. And yeah. obviously playing six six months later or seven months later in the Serie A had a big uh, kind of uh, uh, 
uh, kind of uh, price uh, uh, differences, you know. So, yeah, Spurs was there already. I knew about them. It was all the clubs in England as well uh, wanted me at that time, you know. But Spurs really uh, kind of, uh, you know, I would say Alan Sugar was kind of like, convinced me to go to Tottenham Hotspurs at that time and Jerry Francis as well. Jerry already, Francis already met once uh, during the Euro 96, once in London. Um, um, but at that time, my mind was always this area, of course, for a lot of reasons, as I just mentioned before, the best players in the world you're playing, you're part of them, you know. And it was a good uh, kind of uh, step forward also from football point of view. I got a lot of knowledge uh, in terms of area. I was tactical and technical, super advanced compared to other leagues, you know. And um, yeah, Alan Shook and Terry Foss have pretty much convinced me in January. I think uh, you need to come to England now. I think you're ready to come to Spurs, you know, for four and a half years. And then, um, yeah, I made a decision. I was happy and I'm not regretting it at all, to be honest with you. Mm. And what was it like um, sort of culturally? Because, I mean, Zurich is quite a small city, very clean. Uh, Calorie, mm. uh, you know, has its, its merits. Coming to London, what was it like? I mean, how old were you when you, when you moved to England? <laughs> That's exactly a good question, to be honest with you. I, obviously, coming from Zurich, as you just mentioned, yeah. extremely organized, super mm. clean, uh, everything works like a Swiss clock. <laughs> Having that kind of uh, going up. And obviously, I went to the very bureaucratic Italian way of Cagliari in an island, you know, nice, very kind of charismatic in a way, great food and everything. And then come to London. That was a... Uh, We've had a major culture shock, you know. Yeah. London, it's a, it's a fantastic place, first of all, because so multicultural in a way. But when I arrived at the kind of mid-90s, you know, 97, whatever it was, if I look back now, I think this was the growth uh, of England, especially London, from 97 to 2007, because I always stay longer. I think it's one of the best times London and England had at the time, because mm. it was a really good time. Uh, it was booming, everybody was kind of uh, new stuff would come to London, also from food-wise, I, I remember arriving to England, London especially, coming from Italy major food culture yes. <laughs> uh, just first pastas I had in, in, in England, I uh, said, goodness me uh, <laughs> I, can't, I can't have that you know, having ketchup, instead of having thermal <laughs> tomato sauce and everything, you know, or fry up before a game on a Saturday uh, you know, that kind of things, you know you, uh, it, it was a major culture shock to start with, you know, and then, you know, coming to that BNS there, having uh, the training ground as well. And don't forget, we, that was the initial start of the Premier League, having some foreigners coming to the Premier League. Well, not many at that time. I suppose, I think it was myself, and then I think David Junior started to join me, and some other ones, you know, not mm. many at the, at the team. But yeah, uh, I you know you, you as a footballer you adapt to any culture very quickly. You know if you have a good teammates, you know they they kind of uh, integrate you. Even at that time they were speaking Cockney language, cool and sound one single word. To be honest with you. <laughs> so uh, but uh, yeah, it, it was uh, exciting. Uh, it's a big town, big city, multicultural. Yeah, and um, I'm happy I made that move because I was part of uh, I think. Uh, I think England, as I say, London at that time was a very exciting time to be, to be honest with Yeah, you started that very first season, you played eight league games. Your first couple of games were actually played full-back. Then you became centre-back. First win, 2-1 home win against Blackburn um, mm-hmm. alongside 
Sol Campbell. In the squad, just to remind people, defensively in the squad then, we had uh, full-backs was either Clive Wilson, Dean Austin, mm-hmm. Justin Edinburgh, centre-backs yourself, Colin Calderwood, Sol Campbell, Stuart Nethercott. I think when you arrived, Gary Mappet was injured, wasn't he? Maybe one of the reasons why uh, Tottenham mm-hmm. brought you in. What were your memories of those early days? Well, I remember uh, when I joined uh, Spurs, uh, obviously it was January, the time first uh, yeah. six months, you know. Uh, Scary Mabbitt, uh, of course, great uh, gentleman, uh, great uh, character for the club, representing as a club uh, captain in the time. Colin Coldwood as well, and then the young Saul Campbell mm. at the time, you know, in the back, you know, he was just, I think, going through the rank a few years before. And I said, wow, this is a big fella, you know. Uh, but at, to be honest, at the beginning, I didn't thought too much about it. He was big and strong, but on the floor, I would say, okay, coming from Italy, we're obviously very skillful defenders mm. as well, you know. I thought, goodness me, is he going to be my centre-half partner? But he really improved massively, got some huge confidence, thing, especially, I think, when he started to be club captain. Mm. Uh, 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 he gave him a lot of confidence, because I remember Cherry Francis wanted me to be captain to start with and I said listen I'm only just joining the club how can I be right. uh, the captain already I don't want to prove the first I think should be more a local uh, uh, guy to be the club uh, captain and then uh, so I'll just do so Campbell maybe if he has that he will have a lot of confidence you know going forward and I think that's what happened to Sol Campbell so, man. How did you find when you first joined the pace of the game because obviously then Italian football quite a slow pace you know very mm. very sort of tight games the blood and thunder of english football how did you find it early on especially having no pre-season coming straight into january halfway through a season how difficult was it for you to adapt initially well at the beginning it was quite surprising because you know the italians at the time they had very strong pre-season preparation you know super organized you know they're checking out the blood tests on a weekly basis. uh they're, they're checking about your weight what you're eating uh you know england was not even uh, close to do anything like that when i joined uh spurs at the time to be honest you i was giving a david lloyd card go on and get yourself fit for the Saturday kind of scenario, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, for me, it was a major shock just on that. You know, I had a major, uh, you know, in Italy, you've got uh, a kind of fitness coach with you, you've got doctors there checking out all of that. You had all of that well professional laid out, you know, and then it's suddenly you come to a different culture where you have none of that. Frankly saying, you have to be on yourself fit, you know. So, that was a difficult part, to be honest with you. And, and I was coming very fit because I think in Italy you really physically you've got unbelievable fit. You know, I thought I would be, uh, you know, no problem to have in the Premier League. You know, but as you say, the pace of the Premier League is, is completely higher than in Italy because there's no reason. First of all, in Italy they have a much more playing culture at that time. You know, even playing from the back. You yeah. know. And when I came or joined uh, Spurs, um, it was more those days, uh, you know, along the channels, you know. Uh, yeah. You know, after centre-back or, or such, you know, the first thing you have to do, try to make sure you put them down to the channels or try to pin it front of the, the strike and then start to play the game, you know. Yeah. Um, so it, it was different in playing, and that's the reason also that you have that ping-pong scenario, fast-track playing games, you know, in England, because you don't have that... Um, 
you know, passing. Today, as you can see, it's more passing in the Premier League because they're adapted now to the, you know, the overall game, you know, pass, pass, mm. pass all the time. And it's a beautiful watch, but much faster. But those days, yeah. it's very fast. Absolutely. I mean, the writing was on the wall for Jerry. I mean, that season, there was a really bad 7-1 defeat away at Newcastle, 6-1 Bolton in the League Cup. I think everyone was surprised that he was in charge the beginning of the next season. And this now was your first full season, the 97-98. You played half the league games that season. Ginola, you mentioned, had come in that season. Ferdinand, Mm -hmm. Jose Dominguez. There was real optimism with the fans this was going to be a really really good season but obviously Jerry mm-hmm. was sacked um, he, there was only three wins in the first 14 games and he lost mm-hmm. his job and those wins were also narrow home wins against Derby Sheffield Wednesday and Aston Villa did, did you as a group of players did you think it was right for Jerry to go or were you all very upset to see him to see him lose his job oh uh I will say at that time it was all new from from myself as well. Of course, I had a good relationship with Jeremy Francis. I think he was in certain parts quite unlucky, but also a lot of players came in to to squat, you know, to change the whole squad. I think the thought uh, of improving the squad was there from Jeremy Francis, but then the reality on the pitch was not really. Uh, matching what uh, he thought was going to happen, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that was a downfall of of Jerry Francis in that season, you know, because listen, we 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 took some very good quality players, you know, we took in the Les Ferdinands, uh, of course, then after uh, David Tunelard as well improved uh, in the midfield side. We had Darren Anderson already there uh, mm-hmm. in the house as well. You know, the little uh, uh, Dominguez as well, you know, the little horse, uh, mm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> as we yeah. call it, you know. So he was great, he was skillful, he was entertaining. But, yeah, I think uh, the, 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 there's too many changes in one go where he couldn't melt all the team in one go on the pitch. And that was, I think, the, 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 the part of he moving to uh, away from Spurs. And I think, you know, as you say, from the results previous year, uh, everybody was, I think, also surprised he continues in, in the new season, you know. Yeah, so maybe yeah. it should be not even started and started with the new manager for the new mm. regime, you know. Well, let's talk about the new manager coming in just after this very, very short break. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. And we're back for the break. Um, when did you learn? When did you get wind that your ex-coach that you've obviously worked with for, for quite a while was coming in yeah. from Switzerland? When, when did you hear this was happening? Oh, uh, to be honest, you were a day before. Oh, really? <laughs> I had no 
I had no clue whatsoever, going from the Swiss kind of circle or you talk football, yes. anybody who, know, who knows me, or of course, or played with him, or played under him and everything, nothing. Alan Sugar pretty much called me up on, a day before uh, and asked me, yeah, what do you think Chris and Cross is going to join me tomorrow? Well, a little bit late to ask me now. You already didn't make the decision. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> can you remember what, you remember what you said? Can you remember what you said to, to Alan when he, when he asked you? Well, he said, well, you know what, listen, I couldn't say anything uh, uh, wrong about Christian Gross because we really had the great success at Grasshoppers. I think one of the uh, best years at Grasshoppers Zurich, you know, we, you know, we qualified the Champions League, we won the league, we won the cup, you name it, you know. We, how can you say something bad about a coach if it was so successful, you know? So he came definitely with, uh, with uh, some uh, kind of caliber and et cetera. Did he have knowledge within the Premier League or the English football? That's the second question. Or potentially, obviously, uh, he was surprised or maybe underestimated what kind of job, especially Tottenham Hotspurs, uh, to take on. Because any coach is joining Spurs, it's a very difficult job. Whatever time you, you're joining, it's a very tough club to be. It's a different way of management, different way of managing uh, uh, the, the fans as well, all of that, you know. And I think at that period, uh, as you say, we went through a rough period or potentially also uh, a relegation battle we went into it. Not think... many coaches. Yeah, go on. Yeah, go on. No, I, was, I was just going to say, do you think, because obviously Sugar clearly Really, I mean, to put it to this day, I, I would argue he doesn't know much about football. And, and why should he? He doesn't come from a football background. Do you think he looked across London and saw Arsene Wenger was brought into Arsenal, relatively unknown outside England, did a wonderful job? Do you think he kind of thought, this could be my Arsene Wenger, a manager that's not really well known? But, I mean, someone must have been in Sugar's ear Maybe it was David Pleat, I don't know, to sort of say, this guy's really good. They must have done, someone must have done their homework to think, yeah, the methods he's got, this this could really, really be a, a wonderful uh, new era for the club. We, well, yeah, of course. Uh, I, I, I thought and I think they must have done that to make some research about this. And I think, don't forget that that's why the English football the foreign coaches was not, as you say, Arsene Wenger was one of the first mm. coming in and was quite new for English football and for English culture to accept, oh, there's a foreigner come here to tell us what to do in a way, you know. Um, Frank is saying in the same time, I think English football needed that because uh, English football was well behind in a lot of things, you know, in terms of looking after yourself in terms uh, the diet, the physical aspect as well, as well, fitness and everything, all of that, where the continent... Uh, was already uh, very much existing and been there from since uh, junior of an academy point of view, and England was not existing. So it was a it was a time of growth of new 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 ideas, new way of managing in England, you know. And Arsene Wenger, of course, he, he then caught, uh, done his job well with Arsenal, of course, you know, could go a different way as well, you know. And I think thought mm. process of uh, Alan Sugar, the be also. New, being, adapting to the new uh, way of managing a club or managing a, a football club with a foreigner coming in must be his uh, thought process. You know, and Christian Gross at that time, I think in Europe, was also very successful, especially with Grasshoppers. And I think that was his uh, main uh, potentially uh, decision why he took Christian Gross, you know.
Yeah, I mean, in hindsight, he didn't get off the best start with a quite a quite a strange press conference, uh, which <laughs> we can remind listeners of that press conference now. Show you my ticket here. This, I think, and I hope it will be my ticket of the dream, of my dream. It's an uh, underground ticket from London Heathrow. I took the underground to come here to a hot white lane. I, I wanted to make the same way that the Tottenham fans are going to do next Monday. I mean, that was a strange one, holding up the tube card. Adam Sugar there looks quite, you know, perturbed by it all. And I think the press immediately, and, and the fans must have thought, this is a bit strange. But then on the football pitch, uh, the first game was Crystal Palace away. We lost you on the bench that day. And then our first uh, uh, away game win was at Everton. And that's obviously where you scored your first goal for Tottenham. Let's listen to that goal now. Generous kick. Back from Ferdinand. Foot on the gas. And Vega! Everton look to the linesman. There's no flag and Tottenham have the lead. It's the man who used to play for Christian Gross at Grasshoppers in Zurich. Gross has gone for a familiar name around which to base part of his team and Vega has repaid him handsomely. And there is comparative silence around Goodison now. Sinton's ball in, the flick on, wrong-footed the defence and there was Vega with a simple header, albeit a harder one than the one he missed from virtually beneath the crossbar a few minutes earlier. Do you, do you remember your first goal? Do you remember that goal, Ramon? Yes, of course. I don't remember. I had, uh, broke my nose as well in the same time against Dick Dunk Ferguson. Did you really? <laughs> I well. didn't know that. Yeah, on that oh. day. Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> I had a big tumble up in my nose as well, scoring like that. <laughs> oh, my God. I remember. Wow. But a great moment. But then, I mean, so, so things were on the up. But then, obviously, there was this awful 6-1 defeat at home to... Chelsea, followed by I think a 4-0 defeat at Coventry uh, we then beat Barnsley, there was another heavy defeat at Aston Villa. Uh, Darren Anderton was on the show last, last week and he said that um, Christian brought in Fritz, Fritz Schmidt who he said was a yes. brilliant fitness coach but unfortunately he was denied a work visa and had to go home do you think that affected yes. things on the training ground? Yeah, I will listen uh, you, you can, afterwards you always can talk about what could be effective or not in, in that terms. You know, Fitch Schmidt, I knew uh, since I was 16, 17. He was also, I think, this coach down in, in, in Grasshopper, Zurich, you know, so he mm. was extremely well. I think the thing what Tottenham players at the time really experienced with Christian Cross coming into it, you know, is, I think, a kind of a strictness in terms of professionalism, you know, to try to get fit again, be, uh, you know, look after your body, you know, mm. uh, all of that. And I think it uh, has big impact if you never had that before. And suddenly, within months, you need to learn all of that, you know, having twice training uh, uh, during the week was non-existing beforehand, I suppose, yes. you know. That's yes. on the continent. It's, it's nearly... Well, it's normality. You have at the beginning of the week, you're on Tuesday, you've got this couple of training, you know, morning and afternoon, you know, for the English player. And that was, well, wow, what's going on here? It's too much, you know. Mm. And having a uh, different culture, way of training, you know, having flip-flops, you know, all of that, 
hygiene scenario within the dressing room. Lots of, uh, you know, new stuff for Christian Cross into what I think he needed to at a time because, you know, even mm. us foreign players, we were used to it, but we, we, we could see that, you know, the English players, Team Cale, never really been told what to do, you know. So, yeah, Fritz was fantastic uh, uh, fitness coach. And I think he might have affected because every manager needs to have his little assistant coach or fitness coach who he, he can talk during during the day, what do you think, how he feels the players, because he was also not just a fitness coach, but he was talking to the players, you know, and I think that's very important when you get a coach together, that he has a number two or number three, well, feels the team, talks to the player, and reports back to the manager to make some uh, decent decision. If you don't have that anymore after that, it's a very difficult, you're a lonely place, to be honest with you. Mm, I mean, you know, it's funny because what you were doing then, two sessions a day, going in on a Sunday for a warm down, this is all stuff that Premier League clubs do now. But you're right, it, it, it was very new and different then. There was a few other problems. Uh, Les Ferdinand said he, he he had an injury that he was told to play on with. Um, and obviously there was, Gary Mappert uh, was kind of frozen out a bit by um, Christian. Obviously he was the sort of club captain. Did you notice, I mean, I, I know you hadn't been there very long. Did you notice at this stage there was kind of factions in the camp within the dressing room? Not much, to be honest with you, at the time. You know, obviously... I think all the players uh, uh, already been longer at the club, like Gary Mabbard and other ones, you know, or, you know, you know, the club in and out, in there for a few seasons or more, you know, um, that might have that kind of way of uncomfort of dealing with all the situation, you know. Don't forget that, you know, in crisis, uh, like we are having now, the moment with the COVID-19, everything comes to the surface, you know, all the things we've never been talked beforehand, you know. Mm. So I'll analyse the same thing. When a club goes through a crisis, everything comes up, you know, and people start to moan and start to pointing fingers at people, you know. So was, I, I, think, I think the old players, you know, for them was also very new because then yeah. they never had such a kind of uh, instruction uh, beforehand. They got used to old-fashioned way of doing it English, uh, football, you know. Uh, and as you just said, today, every Premier League is doing it. You know, the, you know, warm down after a game or next day, all of that, you know, or even a couple of training sessions on, on, on the Tuesday. You know, that's normality today. And then everybody was looking, uh, uh, making big eyebrows and saying, what the hell is he doing here, you know? Mm. Um I mean, the reality was, uh, including uh, Jerry's record, four wins in 15 games that season were in trouble. Then, obviously, Jurgen Klinsmann returned in time for the home game against Arsenal. Let's remind people of the Alan Nilsson goal that day. Fox. Slipped it round Winterburn. Klinsmann left it. Nilsson! What a fine goal by Tottenham. shortage of passion in the celebration the kissing of the club crest and Klinsmann the first to congratulate the Dane general delight around White Hart Lane Klinsmann's feint was all important and Nielsen on the half volley made contact as sweetly as he would have done in his dreams um, obviously, Jurgen came in, uh, a huge, huge name in world football, loved by the Tottenham fans, uh, certainly got the fans going, got the team going. Uh, Christian had his first home win 
January the 17th, 1-0 against West Ham. Jürgen got the crucial goal. Let's remind people of Jürgen's goal now. Referee says the ball's still in play here, Schindler. Can do anything from there. Looking for Klinsmann! And Jürgen Klinsmann has put Tottenham ahead. His first goal since his return. A tremendous moment for the German and for the whole Spurs crowd. Just the boost they needed. Also in that game, uh, in the commentary, um, Massio Abu was sent off for West Ham. Uh, and Harry Redknapp, the West Ham manager at the time, said that you got him sent off and you were play-acting. Do you remember that? <laughs> I do remember that. I, I, I can this out. I, I spoke to Harry uh, not long ago, you know. He was still complaining about that. <laughs> he was reminding me, God, goodness, Harry, is that the only memories about me, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I said, well, it, well no, I told Harry, it, well, at least it worked because we won that game against West Ham. So, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, but you know, you know Harry is great character, great manager. I have to be honest, you know, it's good chat, all good chat about it, and, and that's it. You know, that's football for you. You know, you got yeah. rivalries on the pitch, but when you off the pitch, you're you're you know you're mates as well, and we are in the same industry. You know, but uh, yes, it was. Uh, I think there's things you, you you learn also in Italy as well a little bit. You know, as a defender, you know, you see the Maldinis and the Gossagos and Baresis, yes. you know. Think you just have to have a chat with them, or the, or the opponents are playing against these guys, the Ronaldos and the Tetra. What these guys are doing during the during the mm. game, I think. I tell you what, some of the English players will be a red card in two minutes all the time, you know. So because it's just part of, uh, yeah, the the mental kind of battle you have on the pitch in two minutes. Not just the skills and everything; it's just the mind as well, mindset. You know, with the, mm. with with the, your centre forward, how are you playing it? How is he? How can you weakening his? Uh, Weaknesses are such much further, you know, so you can control it. So that's part of uh, centre-half uh, games as well, you know, as it is for the striker. They do the same thing with, with, uh, with the centre-halves, you know. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned that Jürgen came in. Obviously, it was that big game at Wimbledon when we really had to win. Uh, he scored four goals in a 6-2 win. He got eight goals in that season coming from January. But apparently he... Him and Christian didn't see eye to eye. What, what, what was your what was your understanding at the time that apparently they didn't get on uh, tactic wise? Well, I think uh, Jürgen Klinsmann he was a star in that uh, uh, kind of uh, the team. You know, he was uh, of course he was he's done a great job with that season. You know, especially the last game. You know, but also Chris, uh, Jürgen Klinsmann saw that uh, he was going. Uh, you know, it's not he's potentially his last seasons as well. You know. So he has his opinion about how to manage clubs and football and everything else, you know. So, and Christian Cross, of course, is the manager. He's the boss at the time, and then the confrontations were there. How, how, what has to be uh, managed together, you know? And I think Christian Cross was saying, listen, okay, you might have a crook name, but I'm the manager here in this case, and I'll make decisions, you know. Um, so, yeah, Jurgen, as it is, he's a character himself, you know, he has his opinion, and when he makes opinion, the decision, as he already done now uh, in Germany, as he had uh, with Berlin when he was a coach, when he left that uh, that position as well, he had also issues there as well. So that's the way Jurgen is in a way, you know. But he's done mm. very well on that season and uh, kept us up, and that's the most important part, you know. Mm. And I think uh, we all uh, happy in, uh, at the time we actually stay up because it was very I mean, dangerous against Wimbledon, uh, you know. Absolutely. I mean, the following season uh, again, Christian started the season. We kind of had. Had quite uninspiring signings. Hans Sagers came in and Paolo Tramazzani came in from Italy for one point. 
seven million pounds. Uh, we lost our first two games, three one at Wimbledon, and then three nil at home to Sheffield Wednesday. And despite uh, us beating Everton one nil, his time was up at Tottenham. Played here as manager, played thirty games, won ten. Drew eight, lost 12. He then went on to Basel, where he won four titles, four Swiss Cups. Do you think, in hindsight, the Premier League was too big a jump for him? Or just do you think it was wrong club, wrong time for him? Um, I, I don't think you can say the Premier League was too high for him, to be honest with you. Mm. I think it was the, the wrong time potentially with the wrong mixer at that time was coming, uh, you know, that, that team, you know, because, you know, in, in coaching, whatever the league it is, as such, if you go then afterwards, even to the Swiss league, when he wins four uh, leagues as well, you know, you can't go, you, you know, you must have something right, you know, but it's, mm. it's, it's more a culture uh, scenario uh, issue there that potentially at the Premier League where the time his method of doing managing the uh, the club was not the the right time. You know, if he was coming a little delayed there, everybody got used to about how it works. He might be more successful. You know, but he, he was coming really early stage of foreign managers coming into the Premier League, where you know England has to adapt to this, and that it took a time to do that. Mm. You know, yeah, that's that's a valid point. Rumours then were swirling around that George Graham, who for Tottenham players, Tottenham fans was. You know, the, the, the manager of, of, of the big enemy down the road won a title with them, obviously. Uh, there was rumours he was coming in. And there was this really bizarre match before he arrived when he brought his Leeds United side to White Hart Lane. It was a very entertaining 3-3 draw. You scored in it. Let's remind listeners yeah. of the feeling around the grounds before the game and uh, match highlights now. Everyone wants to know the answer to one question. Are you happy with George Graham being manager of Spurs? No. Why? The geezer is Arsenal through and through. On balance, I think yes. I think he could probably sort things out here. He's not very charismatic, but he's probably the man for the situation at the moment. He could sort out the defence, but apart from that, you know, he's Arsenal. He's got so... Arsenal blood in him, and I don't know if I really want that at Tottenham. Everyone's going, no, we're going to win trophies. We're more than likely to get relegated with him. Never mind winning trophies with an Arsenal man. Are you concerned he's not actually nailed it and said, I'm going to stay um, at least? I'm not concerned, I'm convinced. He's, going, he's, he's going Monday. He's gone Monday. We know he's gone. Let's be honest. You yeah, we should buy him. It's just some miles. It's just on his contract. He's got no right walk out. Spurs fans don't even want him. Rumours of protest by Tottenham fans never materialised when Leeds arrived in N17. The man at the centre of the storm looked relaxed. However, his absence from the customary pre-match walkabout seemed to suggest that perhaps he was feeling the pressure after all. The game started ten minutes late, but no one seemed to mind. Spurs could have gone ahead within the first minute, but it was Leeds who took advantage from this set piece. Gunnar Haller, totally unmarked, put the visitors ahead. At this point, one can't be quite sure whether George Graham is making notes on his attack or the Spurs' defence. Spurs decided to play Leeds at their own game. A well-flighted corner and Leeds are as startled as their opponents were a few moments ago. Ramon Vega's equaliser initiating the response, stand up if you want the truth from the Leeds faithful. The response was unanimous. 25 minutes into the game, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank did his best to allay any fears that cracks were beginning to appear in the Ellen Road setup. The Dutchman putting Leeds 2-1 up after a breakdown in communication between Bardson and Vega. 
the fans were still trying to get a response from the manager. Meanwhile, during half-time, Peter Risdale had a quiet word with the Leeds fans. In the second half, George Graham had relinquished his seat in the director's box and was now pitch-side. 15 minutes into the half, and Clive Weinhardt's goal seemed to put the game beyond Tottenham, after David Hopkin had once again prized open the Spurs' defence. It was the third time this season that Spurs had had three goals scored against them at home. But Spurs found another gear. Ferdinand was replaced by Everson, and it was the Norwegian who put the home side back in the match. The Lillianites were now on a roll, and went searching for an equaliser. With only seconds left to play, Captain Salt Campbell pulled them level in dramatic fashion. Spurs are now 13th with 8 points and Leeds 5th with 11. A great game, but it still left the underlying issue. Do you remember that goal, that 3-all draw? That was quite oh, an atmosphere that day, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a fantastic atmosphere. I remember that very well, actually. It was great. I was at the school as well, and we, we kind of, uh, you know, prior to the game that, you know, George Graham on the sideline was potentially most likely next day our manager, you know, already. Mm-hmm. And it was like, uh, right, this is a display for us players to show him who he has to stay in the team going forward when he comes in. Because, you know, when new managers coming in, have new ideas, new players, etc. you know. Uh, so, uh, you know, I was glad to actually score against his team at that time, you know, each other. But no limit if George Graham wanted me already prior to Spurs at Leeds United when he was uh, right. manager there. So uh, I knew kind of he was, uh, yeah, wanted me at the time to play for Leeds United. But now he's joining Spurs as a manager, so it was... Yeah, we reunited kind of scenario, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it, it was a great day. And uh, scoring as well is always nice, scoring at White Hart Lane, mm. especially at the old stadium, you know. Yeah, I mean, obviously, George, known to, known for his um, defensive attributes, he obviously steadied things defensively. Um, Russia Tariko came in, Stefan Freund, Tim Sherwood. There must be real belief now uh, amongst the players because this was now looking like a really, really, good side wasn't it and obviously there was a very very strong FA Cup run that season uh, very very mm-hmm. unlucky to lose to Newcastle controversially but obviously that season was all about the League Cup uh, describe mm-hmm. that day for you that, that, that League Cup win well prior to that League Cup uh, we had a lot of as you just mentioned uh, we had a major role in terms of the FA Cup run as well to the semi-finals semi-finals the League Cup uh, I think we had one of the best defensive runs uh, at the club at the time, you know. George Graham really, really saw that defence at the back, the back four, you know, saw Cam myself, Stephen Carr, uh, uh, and I think Justin Edinburgh on the left-hand side at the time, you know. So we, we really, really worked on the on the pitch on, on, uh, during the week uh, on that defence. I and mean, I really liked that because that's something I was used to in Italy in Serie A. We had defenders, we really kind of worked together a united front, you know, a pack four, you know. Well, I was missing that for a while, you know, and mm. he really put that back into it. And you really, you feel straight away because you've got, got to understand each other. You know, you are uh, uh, one line, one united, you know, and you defend much better. And the results came immediately, mm. straight away. We had, I think, nine or ten games in a row. We only could see about two or three goals, not even, to be honest with you. And that's mm. for Spurs. It was, you know, un- 
unknown beforehand because we had a lot of goals be conceded, you know, and that made us uh, going into the the League Cup final, you know, remember, you know, and that was, I think, the day himself it was unbelievable. I think for Spurs supporters, it was, I think, one of the major uh, days as well because such a long time, yeah. Spurs win uh, any trophy, and then suddenly we call it Wembley Stadium. In a way, it's like a, you know, Spurs is a cup. Uh, teams as well. Wembley Stadium is part of history of Spurs as well, in a way, you know, if, mm. you, if you look at it like that. And we suddenly uh, 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 playing at that cup final, you know. And in my case, I, uh, prior to that, I had a broken ankle on top of that. Oh, so I don't want Which can you do that in? Yeah, because I, that injury was two, nearly three weeks old, but we right. had such an intense program in terms of we got the league, then the league cup, and then the FA Cup for, uh, uh, as well. Pretty much every three days we had a game, and I always was in pain. And I said, "What the hell is that?" So I didn't want to do a scan because I knew something was extremely wrong. I'm not going to miss the league cup because of that. Now we worked so hard all, all the season and all these ten games, and then suddenly, you know, the final you don't want to miss as a player. So I went in with major risk, play that game, uh, and and uh, next day I needed to join the, uh, the national team. And doctor pretty much done a scan on, on on my foot, and it was broken ankle and feet. And that was already three weeks old. The broken. He taught me if you recover from that, you'll be very lucky. So you basically so play. You basically play yeah. for three weeks with a broken ankle. Yeah. Wow, absolutely nuts, yeah. If I, if I look back, absolutely crazy. But, uh, you know, at that time, as a player, it's important you win the medals. Because that's the thing that counts in, the, in history, you know. Whatever you turn or twist, even in a hundred years' time, we can talk about the 99 final, the cup final we won. It was Spurs when I was part of that. And that's something nobody can take away from you. Of course, it was risky because if I lose the game, and uh, stupid, I would call it, in the same time, you had a broken ankle, maybe even finish your career on that day. That was the risk wow. I took. Because again, people so, forget. People forget with that League Cup run, uh, you played in the team that won at Anfield three-one in the fourth yeah. round. We beat Manchester yeah. United the next round. I mean, it was a very tough games. The final itself was obviously wasn't very good, and we got the I goal near the end. <laughs> but but um, it was um, no, it was awful. Yeah. But it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, yeah. Try and describe your 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 feelings, your emotion when you went up those steps uh, to 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 finally get your first medal in, in English football. Well, I think you know uh, pictures coming through your mind as a youngster. I remember in Switzerland, you know, England football. Uh, my memory was always that that's a cup final. You know, when when people, I mean, all the team won and then go that long walk up the stairs and, you know, either that time it was the Queen or whatever was giving the medal or the trophy over, you know, that picture suddenly came to, to your mind and suddenly, oh, there we go, here, 20 or plus years later, uh, uh, I, I, I walk up that famous uh, walk, you know, to get my medal and, and the cup. Yeah, it's extremely emotionally, uh, you know, I'll call it, if I'm even talking about it, I get goosebumps about it because it's, it's beautiful. It's That's yeah. why you're actually working as a as a player, you know, and I yeah. the whole atmosphere, the Spurs fans on, on that day, it was absolutely going crazy. And uh, yeah, I'm glad I, I was part of history of the club, winning a trophy. Uh, so, um, and then I'm very proud of it, you know, that can actually today, I can talk about it, you know. Mm. I mean, the, the following season, 1999-2000, there was, again, real optimism. It was George's first 
full season. I think Chris Perry came in uh, and Oivin Leonardson. Uh, but it was a very underwhelming season. We finished 10th. Uh, there was early exits from both uh, cup competitions. And you obviously ended up going to Celtic on loan. How did that yes. come about? Were you looking to, to, to go on loan? And what was the experience like? Well, uh, it was kind of, you know, the, the season after well, the League Cup, you know, so yeah. I pretty much up. I started my recovery uh, part as well, you know, coming back from my fitness and, you know, lucky I could actually come back to playing football because after that, that was the, the, the most difficult part of it, you know. Mm. It took quite a while to come back into it. And then I think quite I was already in the summer there for Martin O'Neill, you know, if mm. I was want to come up to sell to get a time. But I wanted to, you know, really uh, finish with Spurs, uh, uh, my contract, you know, and, 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 and see how it goes, you know. And yeah. then within four or five months later, Martin Lee was coming back again, you know. And then, as you just mentioned, you know, George Graham just brought more uh, players into it. Just around, obviously, my injuries on other centre-halves, they were playing. I was in and on, on and off the, the pitch as well. And they said, oh, listen, I want to play now more regularly. And then... Martin O'Neill uh, uh, requested my services at Celtic, and that was the point. I said, "Well, it's a ma- major club to start with. Mm. I'm joining uh, great players. We're talking to Henley Glassons, uh, yes. Paul Lambert, Neil Lennon. You name it. Some great, great, great. And the club himself was at that time. I thought it was a big. It, it already knew it was a big club. But when I joined the club, I thought, goodness me, this is massive. That club, you know. And mm. um, and um, if I look back, I'm I'm, ple- I'm glad I'm actually done this decision because I, I went on to win the to travel on that season. Well, you won on the tre- treble, and you scored twice in your debut, didn't you, against Aberdeen, six yes. 0 yes. win. So yeah, so it's it's see how it is, you know. In football, that's what it is. And so when when the time comes up for you, there's somewhere where potentially I don't know, maybe the atmosphere or whatever. Uh, uh, is not really working for you uh, as such, you know, and new new players, new uh, new teammates, suddenly gets you more excited and you got came to, uh, you know, into that excitement again. You, you potentially might have lost that before, you know. That's what happened with Celtic. I was like, wow, first game against Aberdeen. Yeah, everybody can say, oh, the Scottish League is different than the Premier League. Uh, yes, uh, it's correct. It's not the same, but Celtic is like playing every weekend like a cup match because everybody mm. wants to win against Celtic. So it's always a tough game to play with, you know. And, and scoring in the first game, I said, wow, that's, that's an entrance to Celtic supporters as well, winning and then also scoring twice as well. So you give them an enormous boost of confidence, uh, what I needed also in that time, and then the rest mm-hmm. was uh, history. So when they won the treble, you know. I mean, Celtic, I believe, wanted to make the move permanent, but, it was, but you decided to, to stay on at Spurs. Uh, is that correct? No, it, was, it wasn't like that. I, I, it's why I think a lot of people got confused. It, it was because it was six months, and then my yes. my contract was running out anyway at the time in the summer. Mm. So I was free agent in that time. And when uh, when I type said we already halfway, I really want to sell it. I want to stay set because I really started enjoying it up there, you know, because yeah. we start the winning. Uh, Great uh, team, uh, you know, also potentially even play in the Champions League next year because we're going to win the league, you know. So all of that had a big uh, uh, importance for me as well. But never, never really had uh, any potential offer from Celtic to stay longer. 
as right, such, you know. So when you're, the problem is when you're at 30, 31 and you haven't got the contract yet, uh, as such, you start to worrying about it because obviously you need to have security for the future financially as well yeah. at that time, you know. Yes. And then, uh, yeah, then uh, Watford came in at that time and there was no other offer than, than that, uh, unfortunately, because I really wanted to stay at Celtic. And then I chose uh, Watford because they were giving me four years, four years that gives me some uh, security, you know. Yes, because obviously you you, cause you went back to Spurs as we we brought in Sergei Rebrov, Neil Solomon, Ben Thatcher. Uh, I think you started. Yeah. Um, I think you started about eight games. Uh, that certainly that beginning the season. We ended up twelfth. Obviously Graham was then sacked. Glenn came in, um, and then he mentioned Watford came in for you. Uh, mm. Gianluca Viali was the manager. I mean, a wonderful player. Yes. To, to to manage you you got a a, a a good deal there but then you, but you only left after a season why was that well i th- i think that Gianluca Vialli was also that's you know coming into championship club you know it's not the mm. premier league you know uh but running it like a premier league already to start with the championship it was very new to what for players you know some of the what for mm. players not even ever experienced the Premier League, you know, mm. to start with maybe one or two, you know, max, you know, and they only played the championship. It's obviously a completely different ballgame, but Gali's way of methods of managing and, and in terms of uh, training session, coming back when I joined Spurs at the beginning, you know, it was all new as well in that part, you know. So I think the combination, all of that, uh, it was quite extremely new for the, the English players at the time, you know. And, the, and so many new players. I was talking about seven or eight new players. Such a big change in one season, it's just too much, you know, to really be successful straight away. It would be a surprise if any, any team, eight new players, uh, immediately have a, a, an impact, you know. And that was one of the major issues what for the time. And then, of course, the rest, uh, you know, had some financial uh, mm. problems, Going forward, you know. Yeah, no, that's right. I mean, looking back at your time at Tottenham, uh, what what does the club still mean to you today? Oh, a lot, to be honest with you. And I think for me, if if I talk about England, uh, for me, it's Tottenham Hotspurs. Simple as that. Because that's why, in my life, that's what uh, it's what it is. Why I'm today this world, you know. It gives me the first of all the chance to come to England, uh, come to London. Uh, on top of that, there's and then also play for a big club like Tottenham Hotspur. It's enormous pride, uh, pride to, to to be with, you know, people associated, you know, as a player, you know, and and also winning the League Cup uh, for them or uh, a trophy, you know, because not many trophies have been won since then either, to be honest, you know, and I was part of one of them, you know, uh, enormous, and also for my career going for, uh, post my in my my football career, you know, uh, I think. Uh, that gave me the chance to stay in England, uh, going further and, and, and be here, you know. So Tottenham mm. has definitely been out there and very big importance in my life. Lovely. Thank you so much, Ramon. It's been fascinating uh, talking to you again. Uh, and and um, stay healthy and stay safe. Wasn't that a great podcast? Now, if you've got 90 seconds spare in your day, come and listen to ours. It's called What Has He Said Now? and is available wherever you got this podcast. You're going to lose a number of people to the flu. This is a Playback Media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at spurshow.net. Sports Social Podcast Network. 
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.